0: happy new year
1: yeah happy new year we're back at work huh
0: yeah i i don't know what it was like for you but i went immediately back to work it was like 8 a.m on monday suddenly everything was on fire um and it was pretty much like that for the rest of the week
1: yep 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 same for me It, it wasn't like on fire but it was it was busy and i kept busy and uh uh yeah just moving we're back in the swing of things huh
0: yeah, yeah, I guess so. Uh, so what's, what's what's news over there in the excess hold?
1: Yeah, so uh, Lauren, uh, she, you know, with the, how she won the award for the uh, Ohio affiliate for the National Center for Women and in Information Technology. Uh, she won for 2016, but she actually is a runner up for the national award. So instead of just Ohio, it's, it's like nationwide, but she made runner up. So I'm super proud. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. And then tomorrow, uh, we're recording this on January 8th, uh, the 9th, is actually when uh, robot season kicks off again. Uh, so we're going to find out what the mission is, and uh, uh, gonna it's going to be uh, a long, uh, or it's going to be a fast-paced build season, but a lot of work. So I'm looking forward to that, too.
0: Nice, nice. Uh, is, it, is it robot season already? Uh, it feels like... That time our, of year. Is that time of year? Yeah. That time of year again. That's great. Yeah. So how are you doing? I'm um, good. I'm good. We, uh, we had a great uh, holiday in South Carolina. Got to see a bunch of uh, my in-laws and, uh, and my father and stuff like that. So that was cool. Um, highlight was definitely taking Soren on a helicopter ride. Yes. That was the coolest. Um, there's an outfit over there in uh, Myrtle Beach who will uh, take you up in the air for a quick two-mile turn uh, for about 20 bucks a head. Uh, so yeah, so my dad and I, uh, uh, dad and I paid our money and, uh, sat there for about 15 minutes waiting for our turn, watching the helicopters take off and land, which was basically, that that was worth the price of admission all by itself. Um, and then we, uh, we approached the helicopter and I can feel Soren tensing up in my arms and I was like, no, 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 it's okay. You get to go inside. And he looks at me with disbelief, just could not believe his, no No. way, um, And uh, you know, we got in there. Uh, they gave him his own you know, ear goggles and uh, we went up in the air and he was just slack jawed. And uh, for the rest of the day, uh, he was running around the, the house going, it was super cute. It was great. So if you've got a two year old boy, specifically, actually, I guess a boy or a girl, and you have the means, definitely to take a $20 helicopter ride. It is totally worth it.
1: Totally. If it, it. if it was like a firefighting helicopter, he'd probably lose his mind.
0: Oh, he'd be out of his mind. Yeah, because fire trucks are the other thing that we're yeah. working on. Yeah, yeah. Um, also, Dave, I've got an endorsement,
1: a paid endorsement.
0: A pay, Well, I paid for it, and now I'm endorsing. Okay, it, so I guess.
1: So okay, yeah. all right. Um,
0: sponsor candidate. By <laughs> sponsor candidate, you may have seen uh, advertised the Ring doorbell.
1: Yeah, yeah. So w- what is that?
0: It is a doorbell. Uh, as, as it says right there on the tin. Um, but uh, it hooks up to your Wi-Fi, and inside it's got a little camera with infrared and also a microphone and speakers. So mm-hmm. uh, you install an app on your telephone, and somebody walks up to your door, they hit the doorbell, and uh, your phone rings, and it's very much like getting a phone call or a video call. And so I pick up the phone, I hit accept, and I can see the person standing in my front door, standing over there. I can hear them, uh, and they can hear me, uh, but they cannot see me. Uh, and so in this way, uh, actually while I was on vacation, I actually answered, uh, a solicitor came to the door and wanted to talk to me and he looking a little suspicious. I thought he was kind of casing the house a bit. Um, anyway, I responded to him as if I was home and, uh, and then he went away on his merry way and it was great. Um, And so even if, yeah, even if you're not using the doorbell itself, uh, it will still do, it has a motion detector. So anybody who passes before your front door, um, it will also remember the video for that. And all of it is sent up to the cloud. um, And there's a subscription service for kind of keeping recordings around and things like that. Anyway, I, I thought it was kind of a little bit frivolous maybe like Mm -hmm. maybe i didn't need something like that um but my dad gave it to me so what the heck i just installed it it runs off the same power that your doorbell runs off of so i just took the old doorbell off wired it up uh put the leads on on the new uh ring doorbell and and off i went it was great it's I'm, i'm i'm really enjoying it
1: huh so where where is the so it just lays, it goes right over where the old doorbell was like mm-hmm. on the door frame yep. and, and the camera is in where the buzzer is or.
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's right. It's. I mean, it's actually, it's, pr- it's larger than your average doorbell. I mean, it looks actually, right. it, it's like okay. the size of like a, like an electronic lock. Like it's, it's like a good size. Um, but still it's, and it's nice. It it, it glows. There's this reassuring, uh, white led ring, uh, so that mm-hmm. the doorbell is obvious, you know? um, mm-hmm. Anyway, I thought it was really clever, um, and uh, they've, even, they've thought of everything. Even if you don't have uh, a doorbell wired up um, or have power running to it, um, you can charge it up via micro-USB, and it'll hold the charge for like six or nine months.
1: Oh, wow. That's pretty good.
0: Yeah, yeah. So anyway, uh, huge endorsement uh, right up until uh, you know, it gets hacked somehow and, and, and does not Yeah, we'll be talking too. about it. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, I'll report back when that happens. Um, so, and then I got, I did get a late Christmas present just today. Do you want to know what it is? Uh, well, tell me. They're making the Deadwood movie finally. I'm a huge fan of the, of the show Deadwood. Um, and, uh, they just greenlighted the movie this very day. Uh, so I am just tickled. I can't wait. Yeah. I'm really excited.
1: Wow. So is it going to be like a sense of closure or is this going to be a, one of many like like moving on like a series of movies like i mean, if i had my
0: druthers if i had my druthers it would just be like doctor who It would just never stop uh, we would just keep getting <laughs> we would just keep getting new installments that's what i that's yeah. what i want yeah 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 so Good, anyway yeah uh so let's see so the title for the show we decided already is going to be the diy dystopia
1: yep build your own
0: yep. <laughs> um so what do we got what do we got
1: yeah, so we could do uh, a DIY uh, LPR system. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a crowdsourced Panopticon you could build yourself, uh, and also a universal key escrow. So instead of uh, letting the man be in control, you could have a, uh, a group of people be in control. And we'll talk <laughs> about that too. That's right. So, Dave, if folks want to see
0: a photo of, uh, of Soren enjoying a helicopter ride, what, what website should they go to? uh
1: d g show dot o r g so d s and dave g 's and gunner show dot o r g that's right
0: and uh on iTunes and also hopefully soon on uh, google play music we've uh we've mm-hmm. submitted to that service so once they turn on the podcasting feature of uh, of uh google google music um i'm curious to see how that works out that would be pretty cool anyway uh is there and there's stuff on the country room floor too right?
1: yep yep yeah so we got uh a a robot pulling a a santa sleigh we have uh R2-3PO. Um, we also have a post-apocalyptic Thomas the Tank Engine.
0: Which I really enjoy, by the way. It's, yeah. it's super cool, like steampunk. Anyway, very much in keeping with the theme of the show, the DIY dystopia. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. All right. you know, So, Dave, one of my big complaints, <clears throat> uh, since you asked, uh, yeah. is, is uh, you know, I got to remember a lot of passwords all the time. Uh, I find it I find it tedious. I find it error-prone. Um, do, do you have anything that can solve this problem for me?
1: Yeah. So typically I use like a password manager. But, you know, we talked about Yahoo um, wanting to uh, get rid of the password and do an account key, uh, and now Google is getting into the act too, um, where basically the way it works is that if you go to, say, like a public library and use our computer and you go to sign on to the your Google account, you would enter your email address, and then what would happen is you would get a notification on your phone saying that, hey, this person's trying to log in. Do you want to let them in or not? And then you click yes or no, and then you could log in. Um, which I, I thought is it's like kind of neat, but to me it's kind of scary that uh, it doesn't let like what happens if somebody gets a hold of your phone? And maybe it's game over by then anyhow. But mm-hmm. if if you know, then people can get into you know pull out stuff out of Google Drive and everything else. Or, uh, or, or worse, just.
0: Uh, or worse, just clone your SIM, right? Um, if they're doing yes. this via text messages,
1: yeah, I don't know how they're doing it, or if you have to run an app, or mm-hmm. or how you know you got to make sure the phone isn't cloned. Yes, yeah, yeah.
0: Because I mean, I guess in one sense, this is really not altogether different than the kind of one-time password, like TOTP, kind of systems, right? It's just not showing you the you know the picture of the robot vomit and the and having to type in the six keys. This is kind of a shortcut through a kind of a similar process
1: yeah well it's still like what we said before it's one factor authentication so instead Mm -hmm. of it being something you have and something you know it's just something you have and if somebody else has it then the thing that you know there's no thing that you have to know so as long as somebody has possession of your device then they can get in
0: right right on the other hand i mean it is that's an interesting kind of balance of concerns because uh so having obviously it's better to have a two-factor thing, like something you have and something you know, right? But even having something you have may be more secure than a crappy password um, yep. because if it's something you have, there's only one of those. So only yeah. one person it's only one person could be compromising your account, whereas if it's something you know and you left it on a post-it note on your monitor, potentially anybody could have that information, right? Yep.
1: Yeah. yeah, and then the other part of it too is like from phishing attacks, um, it's this would help with phishing attacks because you're not giving your password to the other end of a web server to say whether you're valid or not. Right. Um, so that, that I guess is like a good thing too, but as long as the safeguards are in place on the phone to prevent somebody from, uh, you know, I would rather, maybe you got to enter a password on your phone or something. I, I don't know. I don't know. Some way to unlock it. Yeah.
0: It's a, I mean, it's a, you know I don't think people at Yahoo or Google are foolish, so they must have thought through all this stuff, but I just don't understand the mechanics enough to trust it. I guess it just seems like yeah. why even make this an option um when when they already have like two factor systems in place I don't know yep, yeah,
1: yeah, well, I would argue that two factor authentication may be too hard for like John Q public you know to set up you know like for us it's easy, and we get it, but to you know have a uh, more, uh, like a non-computer professional use it, maybe that's too much to tell them about one-time passwords.
0: I so, say, yeah, I suppose you're right. I suppose you're right about that.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: All right. So we do have some bad news. Uh, Ian Murdoch, uh, the founder of the Debian project, uh, passed away recently. Um, really, uh, just really disappointing. And, um, uh, in was by all accounts a wonderful person um and mm-hmm. uh and built an incredible community uh just objectively mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know, a wonderful accomplishment instead of accomplishments I should say um it did make me it did make in in my in our holiday time it was a time of self reflection um mm-hmm. it did make me realize that open source has been around now for so long that some of the luminaries you know are going to start passing away um mm-hmm. which is you know we i think maybe you and I are both accustomed to open source being largely kind of a youthful, uh, enterprise. Um, yeah. but uh, a lot of us aren't uh, quite so youthful anymore. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. anyway, uh, it's sad to, uh, uh, it's sad to see and go. So
1: yeah, uh, too, too early. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
0: Uh, let's see. Uh, it's a terrible, it's a hard to segue away from uh, sad news like that, but, um, w- watch me try. Um, Did you hear about, uh, or did you see this review of Red Star?
1: Yeah, Red Star, their um, uh, Linux uh, variant.
0: That's right, that's right. Uh, 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 Mm RPM-based, I should mention. Um, And uh, this operating system in particular comes from the government of North Korea.
1: Yeah. It's nice. And so, is, that, the, is that what you're running now? Or? Yeah,
0: that's right. That's right. Um, and so the, the the article here is like an unboxing of, of Red Star, and, and uh, it's mostly Fedora is, is what it appears to be. Um, but it is, I think a lot of people were treating it as, a, uh, uh, as an object lesson in all of the opportunities for surveillance, right? Um, this is yes. kind of, you know, if you let a bad actor... Uh, have unfettered access to your operating system. What are all the ways in which they could watch what you're doing? Um, And, uh, and that's apparently what's, uh, what's going on in red star. Nice. Yeah. Really. Like I say, instructive, instructive.
1: Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And so you traveled, did you fly to uh, South Carolina?
0: I surely did. Yeah. Yep. That's right. Um, Yeah. And it, uh, because you're going from Austin to South Carolina, you do have to go through Charlotte, which is, uh, a relatively stressful experience. That's, uh, that's not a very relaxing airport.
1: Yep. Yeah. So there's, um, so United, um, they, they're bringing in, uh, for the, the holiday, they brought in 200 comfort dogs, uh, to seven airports to provide holiday stress release. Yikes. That, uh.
0: Well I suppose that's nice. I mean I like dogs. I certainly like dogs. And uh and it's nice of United to actually go out of their way to, to do something like that. Um it does make me <laughs> my first thought was, uh, that seems like treating a symptom, uh, rather than the disease. Of the bigger like, problem. Yeah, right. right. Yeah. yeah, like yeah. Yeah. For the, <laughs> <aspirin for everybody. laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um yeah, it seems like if United really cared, uh they they wouldn't make it a stressful experience in the first place. But um, exactly. uh, but only like, good for them for trying. Uh, American certainly was not going out of their way to uh, to make my experience less stressful. Well, let's just put it that way. Oh, that's too bad. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Okay. Well, let's get to the let's get to the dystopia stuff, man. This is this is let's get to the red meat here.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I saw this from uh, James Kirkland. Um, so we, we talked about uh, license plate readers, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, sure. police car drives around and it collects all the license plates. Uh, now there's an open source version out there for everybody to uh, be able to uh, uh, take advantage of. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> That's... <laughs> so here's, so a theme.
0: here's a theme that I'm going to bring up a lot, I think, in this episode, yeah. which is uh, the notion of how uh, some traditional asymmetries uh, have gotten us comfortable. And now that technology is removing those asymmetries, um, mm-hmm. Suddenly, the world seems a lot more threatening uh, than in the past. Like uh, license plate readers in the hands of police cars is qualitatively different than license plate readers in the hands of everybody's car, right?
1: Right. Yes. Yeah. And then also, um, yeah, like I can imagine you hacking the uh, the firmware in your um, your uh, doorbell uh, to be a license plate reader. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Super easy.
0: Um, and it's a little bit, I guess. On the other hand, the license plate readers don't seem to be particularly useful as right. it turns
1: out. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, so what, the Boston PD, they, they stopped using them. Um, uh, but is, is why, why did they stop using them? So
0: it, this is the really interesting part, is because the LPRs are useful slash threatening only in as much as they are connected to a database of interesting things to look for, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so if you just look for an LPR reader... Um, in in and of itself is is kind of innocuous and actually kind of useless. What's really interesting is when you can do an LPR and you actually have like a database of license plates to go compare against. And it turns mm-hmm. out that the Boston PD's database of license plates that it wanted to look for um, was extremely sloppy and not particularly instructive. Um, mm. It was it was they were getting like they were getting license plates leaving the police department's parking lot. Cars were getting flagged. Um, like, and apparently like a bunch of false positives. Um, and also, uh, the LPRs were not being used, uh, for one of their like primary purposes, which is like, look for stolen vehicles, right? You would think that would be like bullet number one on the PowerPoint when they're trying to sell the success criteria. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Um, it turns out that they're, that they're, they weren't even using it to grab stolen vehicles, just like the quality of the data was so poor and the volume of alerts Uh, was so high that they couldn't even separate wheat from chaff wow yeah
1: yeah yeah and i guess that's one of the big pitfalls with big data is that you can't assume that the the data the big data is actually good yeah um, that's right
0: well and and we're and as a as a as a group we're just not even if we're a government we're still not particularly good at finding needles in haystacks um, right. that's, that remains a very difficult problem despite our ability to like create very large haystacks.
1: Yes. Yeah. And, and, and also our desire to create large haystacks. Yeah, that's right. That's right.
0: So now, now the solution to that, Dave, of course, uh, is a uh, crowdsourcing.
1: Yes. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So did you hear about this company called FaceWatch? Uh, face Watch? <laughs> No, but it already sounds sinister. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's, so the same way that, um, Uh, you could do license plate readers. You could actually do facial recognition. It's a service. So if you're, this is in the UK. um, So you could be like a a retailer or somebody uh, that, you know, you run a bar or something like that or a restaurant. Um, You could share your uh, closed circuit TV footage with the police and other face watch users. And you could tag shoplifters and, um, you know, suspicious people um, and then it lets other people that use that service know, um, that they would be entering their store. So for instance, let's say I'm a store owner and somebody was shoplifting from my store and then I catch them on video. I could, I can get their facial recognition characteristics, tag them as somebody who is a shoplifter. And then whenever they go into your, uh, restaurant or, or a store, um, since you are running the face watch system on your end, you would get an alert whenever you walk in the door because there was a hit uh, of, of, oh, well, this, this uh, suspicious person has entered your store. <laughs>
0: this, is, uh, this is like simultaneously inevitable and so ripe for abuse. I'm surprised they even bothered to launch the product, right? Um,
1: yeah, and it's, you don't even have to be convicted of a crime. <laughs> right, um, right. You know, so you could be put on the sub- uh, quote unquote subjective interest list that, you know, or let's say it's somebody that is rowdy in a bar um, and and they're a big jerk uh, when they, they have too much to drink or something. So you can you can mark that person as, you know, uh, not welcome at my establishment, but it also lets everybody else know whether or not they've been, uh, uh, you know, uh, committed a crime.
0: This is like another version of that service we talked about before. I can't remember the name of it. Um but it was the uh, basically like yelp for people um where oh, where right yeah uh, I mean this is exactly the same thing, just like with you know consequences um, yeah. <laughs> this uh yeah, it shouldn't, and i wish there was i wish there was some Occam's razor we could use that would tell us uh when a service is basically too dangerous to exist um or like so easily abused that it shouldn't uh, that we should just abandon it as a technology. Um, this seems like one of those things where you can hypothetically think about, well, okay, yeah, it would be useful if I was a bar owner. I want to know like who's going to be rowdy and who I need to keep an eye on, et cetera, et cetera. Um, mm-hmm. On the other hand, uh, allowing a cartel of you know 120 bars in Austin to decide uh, what their customer list looks like or what their blacklist looks like um, just seems... Mm, Something we wouldn't even be comfortable, that's not a power we would even be comfortable giving a government, right?
1: Yep. Yeah. Or also I can imagine this being useful in like casinos, um, you know, where you want to blacklist somebody or the other side of it is, I wonder if you flip it on the other on its head where it's like, oh, this guy is a really good tipper or this person's a, a whale in the casino or something. So you could, you could flag them for VIP service whenever they come in. Exactly. Exactly.
0: Um, yeah, and it's what's interesting about this. What makes it creepy is like, is the connected nature of it and the actual yes. like the, the crowdsourcing nature of it. Right? It's um, if you just had facial recognition for one mom and pop shop and they were managing their own persons of interest over time, that's fine. Like that. That's basically what they already do today. Just it's just not automated. It's the fact that they can now share those lists um, and that information with other people easily. or or too easily, which makes it, I think, so ripe for abuse. Um, Yeah, and
1: convict them without their day in court.
0: Yeah, exactly. And so what I'm thinking of, too, is uh, a bad actor putting uh, putting misleading data into the system, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. Like flagging somebody's face and then uh, propagating that through the system so now suddenly that person can't do business in a particular town. That's a good movie plot. It's a great movie plot. Are you kidding me?
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they need like a chip in order to buy and sell and all
0: that. That next episode of Black Mirror. That's what that is.
1: Yep. 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 Exactly. And, yeah. and
0: and if we need and if we needed to build actors for that next episode of Black Mirror.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. So there are a couple other things uh, uh I saw that um one is that if you have a bunch of photos of an actor, um, you can actually create movies of them talking and um it looks just like them with all their uh, mannerisms and everything, um, but they did not do any of the acting at all themselves. And it's it's really amazing. So they, they took like different actors and they they had them uh, they they took their voice and then applied it to somebody else's face and like they even got stuff like uh, um, uh, you know, uh, President Bush's uh, speeches and then had them come out of Barack Obama's mouth. <laughs> um, which, you know, so that it was just like crazy how, how they're able to do that.
0: So that reminds me of, uh, a an episode of reply all the tremendous, uh, podcast reply all, um, which, uh, I listened to recently and it was about, uh, the groundbreaking work that Frank Sinatra's lawyers did, um, copywriting his likeness, um, anticipating really? exactly this kind of problem. Yeah. So, uh, Frank Sinatra was, uh, as he was reaching the end of his life lived in terror of uh, somebody using his face and putting it on a coffee mug and selling it. Um, he felt like that cheapened his image and he's probably right. And so his lawyer created the kind of legal mechanism necessary to copyright his likeness, um, so that uh, you couldn't put Frank Sinatra's face on a coffee mug without his permission. Um, and if this technology that you're describing becomes popular, that becomes essential if you are, for instance, an actor, um, that becomes essential if you're for instance an actor um because as long as somebody's got 32 good photos of you they no longer need to pay you to perform um, Yep. they could just do it synthetically right
1: yeah or you die and you know it's like <laughs> oh well, I want always wanted to put that actor in the latest in the sequel of whatever um mm-hmm. yeah yep yeah and then there's related to that there is another thing that uh, a Disney video which is equally creepy um where they took um multiple takes of of uh, of an actor, and then they were able to blur between the two takes and come up and, uh, with uh, an ideal take. So um, so they, as an example, they had somebody that would be like reading the script and then it would be very unemotional, um, or or let's say it would be, would be they would be they would read it and they would be very happy, and then they had another one where they would be like excited or angry or sad. And then what they're able to do is basically morph between, it was basically the same words, uh, but just said with different um, emotions. And then they were able to create a completely different video of where they would just go back and forth between like happy, sad, frightened. Um, it was like amazing. Wow. And it was seamless. Wow. That sounds
0: uh, inexpensive if you're Disney. <laughs> That's...
1: Well, I'm sure I'm sure as far as you know, because the thing there is like, um, you know, they would do like a whole bunch of takes and it's like, "Eh, I never really got the thing I wanted. And it's hard to redo and and actors aren't getting any cheaper uh, for the name brand one. So um, I'm I'm sure this is a way for them to um, do fewer takes. And maybe that's good for everybody because the movies can be done more uh, less expensively and uh, less time for the actor. um, And they could just do it in post production. So yeah, I got. So,
0: so I'm now gonna. I'm. I'm. I'm gonna lay this down. I'm gonna say there's a in within 20 years. Now let's say 15 years. Um, this technology will become so widespread that having a real actor portraying actual emotions probably in a lot of kind of like uh, single cut films or like no cut. What do they call it? No cut. film, You know, just like one continuous shot. Um, right right that will become a stunt and like a selling point in a movie because we will yes. all become so accustomed to these like highly edited synthesized um manufactured performances um that watching a real actor actually perform something um will have a premium on it.
1: Yeah, yeah, I can imagine cuz it, it's like that today where people like you watch like they'll say, "Oh, well, yeah, this scene was done, and it wasn't even any CGI effects. It was all our own explosions Right with right. real explosives." Um, yep. Yeah. Yep.
0: What a crazy dystopia we're gonna live in. We are living in. You've yep. heard that you've heard that joke, right? Um, like, uh, hey, if you were born after uh, if you were born after 1970, you were not promised jetpacks. You were promised uh a soulless dystopia uh and here you go. <laughs> like,
1: <laughs> Didn't <anyway>. know that. Oh <laughs> <laughs> my money back.
0: Yeah. <laughs> anyway. All right, what else have we got? What else have we got?
1: Well speaking of, of uh inventing things, um did you hear about the guy that, that got backstage by uh editing the uh, uh so he went to a concert and he was able to get backstage at this concert by going to the band that he was seeing, going to their Wikipedia page, editing the Wikipedia page, saying that he was part of the the band's uh, one of the band's family members, and the <laughs> bouncer in the back, it's like he showed him the Wikipedia thing, saying, "Look, I'm one of the family members. Say, so let him in. <laughs> That's great. And, That's great. Yeah, and and the funny thing is that the band was like. That's awesome. we got to meet this guy. And so they were like all excited, uh, all excited about it. And, and basically he he just wrote, it. all he did was he, uh, he put family and then David Spargo, his name. And that was it to, to get him in.
0: Because people just aren't that bright. People just not that yeah, bright. Well,
1: this is on the internet. How could it be wrong?
0: <laughs> oh, that's great. That's wonderful. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Got some good news from the DOD. Oh, oh. That's a that's a welcome change. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so did you know that um that so the army is going to be removing social security numbers from dog tags?
0: Which uh makes me realize that I guess I didn't realize that social security numbers were on the dog tags.
1: Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't know that. As 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 somebody who did not serve in the armed forces. Um, but it winds up that um uh there are other um uh uh other departments at the you know navy marines whatnot um air force uh they may still have the uh social security numbers on the dog tags uh, but in the army they are actually working on uh phasing them out so I guess the thing is that they're not having everybody create new dog tags and you know just like generate new ones but um over time um that, that's going to be phased out huh well that's a Pretty progressive of them, actually.
0: That's and and probably overdue, actually. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like wow, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah, and then did you see some of the the all people freaking out about the Microsoft encryption key being stored up in the Microsoft cloud?
0: Yes, I did. I I didn't pay as much attention to it as I probably should have, but I did hear about that news. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. And so
0: what's so what's the what was the so. Microsoft is now encrypting hard drives, and they have an what an escrow key.
1: Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So so basically, um, let's say you go to the computer store, you buy a Windows PC, um, and then uh, so like if uh, like I think it's like the less expensive versions of Windows, they don't have like the full version of BitLocker mm-hmm. in it. Um, so they have this uh, uh, this other kind of uh, disk encryption and. So, But the thing is, is that the recovery key, um, by default, is stored up in OneDrive, which is basically Microsoft, uh, their version of Google Drive or Dropbox. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's stored up there, and which uh, people are freaking out because it's like, oh, well, if somebody gets a warrant and they can get the, the you know, for, and they could uh, go to Microsoft, they can get the encryption key and, and unencrypt, the, um, you know, that person's disk drive. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's true. Uh, But the thing is, though, is that that's a default and that's more for like the Windows, like the home user type kind of person. Whereas if you're using the professional grade version, you can actually store it uh, in your own corporate enterprise Active Directory server. Um, And the reason why Microsoft keeps it up in OneDrive for the consumer end is that consumers typically don't have like an Active Directory server at home. Um, And so, you know, they, they... took on the responsibility of storing the escrow key. However, um, there's a a really good article. I think it was in Ars Technica uh, at this. Yeah. Ars Technica where they said that, look, don't freak out. It's like, if you, if you want, you can actually remove the key from one drive and generate a new key um, and manage that key yourself. So you could burn it to a CD ROM drive or USB Mm -hmm. drive and, or, you know, keep it uh, in a mayonnaise jar under your porch or something.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, So this makes me think, going back to the notion of asymmetry, right? Um, The asymmetry and the license plate reader thing, asymmetry on the, um, uh, asymmetry on the license plate readers, um, asymmetry on this kind of crowdsourced facial recognition. And then there's a kind of asymmetry around uh, information and skill where um, you, basically, uh, you can stay vulnerable. You can only avoid being vulnerable to warrants and bad actors and things like that. If you know enough to generate your own escrow key and, yes. and store of which seems, uh, it's not wrong. It's, but it is unfair. Right. Um, especially it's since, complicated. It's yeah. yeah. I mean, it's really, it's, I mean, that's, I, I wouldn't ask my mother to do that. Right. I wouldn't ask my father to do that. Um, I, I, I could barely trust myself to do an operation like that. Right. Um, yep. so, I don't know. I worry about, you know, I've been thinking about, um, this is going to sound funny, you know, the Pope's, uh, encyclical, um, that I think came out last year. Um, I don't know if you remember this, um, uh, Laudato Si. And, uh, in that encyclical, he wrote, he wrote something really great, um, about, uh, a lot of when, especially with respect to technology, you know, we make these, um, these instrumental decisions about how tools are supposed to work. Um, Mm. but those decisions are not purely instrumental um, especially when it comes to things like computers and and network systems, um, what seem to be instrumental decisions are actually moral and ethical decisions as well. Um, yes. Anyway, that and that's been something that I'm that I've been thinking about a lot. It's certainly relevant here, right? Because the what Microsoft, what I'm sure there is a there is probably a fleet of product managers at Microsoft who thought like this is the best way to give people protection from encryption and also give them an out in case they forget their password. Right. Um, so that was yep. the
1: pro- that was the problem they were solving. Um, yeah, and they, like if, Oh, if my laptop gets stolen and right. that's probably 99% of their customer base, that's, that's the use case. That's right. But defaults matter. And
0: now they've made the default for their, uh, the lowest tier of their product, right. Which are not the professionals. It's the home users. Um, have now by default been made less secure than uh, than their corporate users, right? Um, and so that's, uh, like I say, in, instrumental decisions have moral and ethical consequences, um, which are even more important than kind of the instrumental consequences.
1: Yep. Yeah. yeah right on.
0: All right. I'll take you to the streets.
1: Yeah. So, <laughs> but the other thing is, I mean, we can't talk about dystopia, surveillance states, big data without talking about Facebook, right?
0: True. I I, I, I admire our restraint so far, actually.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, now it's their turn. Um, yeah. So, d- did you see this thing about uh, Facebook with uh, uh, testing uh, secretly testing uh, users' app addiction?
0: I, I, I did see that. I, I, this is this is really amusing. So what they were? Facebook is famous for kind of A/B testing their customers, right? So giving mm-hmm. two groups of customers different experiences and seeing how they react, and, and using that those kind of live experiments to uh, to improve the product over time, right?
1: Yeah, or they would. Uh, I, you remember too when they would do stuff like having, um, like when they came out with their chat service, they actually deployed it like what. Twelve months earlier, and on people's systems, and were generating synthetic synthetic messages um, just to test the scalability out, mm-hmm. and then they would just flip the switch. So, you know, they would say like a lot of the features you already have inside the app or inside the web uh, experience, but they just haven't turned them on yet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right, right,
0: and yeah. so, but this experiment was different.
1: Yes, yes. And uh, so and I think we talked to them, uh, talked about them before, about how they were doing like psychological uh, profiling of people. And it was like kind of sketchy. But this is getting even more interesting where they were intentionally crashing the Android Facebook app um, to see if how uh, what people would do if the app kept crashing and um, so what they wanted to do was see if they would go to they would fire up the mobile web browser and log into Facebook and check Facebook that way, um, and so you know they were, they were and the I guess the theory is that they were doing that to see uh, to test um, you know I guess they had concerns about being too reliant upon Google and being able to pull the app. Uh, the Facebook app from the, the Google play store. Mm-hmm. And if, um, they could be more native and have more of a native experience in the browser. Um, if, if people would go for that.
0: That's amazing. That's amazing. Well, and so, and so the results.
1: Yeah. Uh, well, I think that I don't know what the results were or if it was meant to be public, but I guess it was, uh, I guess what is known is that they were intentionally causing the app to crash.
0: Oh, but did you see that, but the actually even more fascinating than that was what happened afterwards, which is what they were trying to measure, right? Um, so if your Facebook app keeps crashing, what they noticed is that it had absolutely no influence on whether people kept trying the app. In other words, they were tolerating the crashes in order to get access to Facebook.
1: Oh, they kept rerunning the app.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yep. Exactly. Um, which shows that their, uh, their brand and the uh, service they are providing is, uh, considerably stronger than, uh um, than even an unreliable application, which is mind blowing to me. That's just, that's yep. amazing. 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 Yeah. So also amazing is this guy, uh, what was it David Chome? Yes. David yeah. Chome. Yeah. Uh, so big, uh, kind of luminary in the, in the crypto world. Um, he's kind of a, he's a, I won't call it not a forefather, but he's like anyway, a leading light in the crypto community. Um, and uh, at the uh, real world crypto conference in in stanford uh this week um he got up in front of everybody and said that and went at, to advocate for um a uh, a key escrow system in order to solve this uh this encryption quote unquote controversy um that was launched after the after the, the series of uh, of terrorist attacks um this was stunning to everybody, right? Because this is this is exactly the kind of guy you would expect to be like vehemently opposed to a public escrow system. Um yep. but apparently got up there and um I don't know, just based on my Twitter feed, it seemed like a lot of people felt like they got stabbed in the back by this guy.
1: Yeah, yeah. So and and I think the that the escrow part was one part of his whole talk where, you know, the the whole the, the whole thing was about, I don't know, it's like a secure messaging uh, service that would be um uh but much more efficient than say like tor um and faster um and so the, the performance would be really really good um but the thing that um that there was that they're talking about is from an escrow standpoint, which is interesting is that you know like how how you're saying is of, of how they're talking about the um um uh, the crypto war where it's that tension between. Um, you know, a government demanding a backdoor uh, to be able to see uh, the private communications of of somebody. Um, What he came up with is a way to actually spread out um, the ability uh, to be able to decrypt those communications. So um, like one example would be to uh, having the escrow key broken into like nine pieces. And then you give those nine pieces to nine different countries. and And that could be of you know, different, you know, the, just different in terms of what their laws are and whatnot. And then what you would need to do is need to convince all nine countries that, yeah, this is a bad guy and we need to decrypt their stuff. And and that's, you know, and so I found that to be pretty interesting. And I, I was wondering what, what you thought about that, Gunnar. Uh,
0: I think that's great as long as uh, you can somehow compel people to use that escrow system against their will. What do you mean? Well, the the... Or today I have the choice of encryption systems that I can use and I can, oh, right. and like nothing says that I have to use this kind of UN escrow system, right? Yes. <laughs> um, yes I can yes. just use GPG or whatever. Um, and so if, if we are lucky enough to encounter a bad guy who decides to use this UN crypto system, uh, great. Uh, but I mean, that seems like the, that seems like the fundamental flaw in the plan.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I, well, I think what, and maybe this goes back to what we're when we we're talking about Microsoft and the the less sophisticated people. Um, you know, a lot of this stuff that you know from the the mass surveillance and looking at everybody's text messages and stuff. It's it's because um, it's for the criminals that that aren't sophisticated enough to do um, the you know a lot of the lockdown stuff. And right. and if you have something like. A service like Facebook, like what we were just talking about, that is so compelling that people had to use, and people adopted um, Facebook or whoever adopted that, uh, you know, nine way, uh, you know, escrow. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe that that service would be so compelling and so easy to use that that the 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 bulk of the unsophisticated criminals would use that um, because they don't know any better, or that's the thing everybody knows how to use. Um, yeah. Where something like GPG may be too complicated.
0: Yeah. well, And so th- this gets to a really important point, right? Because when we're talking about this crypto war or the crypto controversy, um, whatever you want to call it, uh, we are absolutely categorically not talking about terrorism. Um, and the reason is that because if you are a committed terrorist, you, are, you know what you're doing right uh
1: you're not been using yeah exactly e- right electronics
0: yeah right right and so yeah. when we so built into the like the, the assumption under underneath the encryption debate is that we're we are actually talking about a law enforcement problem we're not talking about like a national security problem right, right. um and then further if we're talking about using the escrow system again the you know the instrumental details make a difference then if we're only applying this to facebook and google chat and whatever else then we are explicitly also only talking about the ability to listen in on people's private conversations in general, um, even if they, uh, even even in uh, in a casual way, right? So, in other words, what I'm trying to say is, um, if we're preying on, this is actually built for. Uh, a system like this would be built not to even go capture moderately sophisticated criminals. It would meant to go capture people who did not think of themselves as criminals. Right. And so that's interesting to me, right? Because people who do not think of themselves as criminals are in the vast majority, you and me and, uh, and otherwise law abiding citizens. And so why build an entire infrastructure who, which is optimized really to only target law abiding citizens. That seems, broken to me yep in other words he's solving the easy part of the problem as opposed to the uh, as opposed to the more difficult part of the problem anyway
1: yeah no i agree and it's a hard problem to solve too
0: yeah to the extent that we even want to solve it
1: right right
0: yeah and and (laughs) you're
1: still going to have somebody that is going to be the you know just you know, there it's going to be Tor all the way, or or mm-hmm. you know, whatever that is going to be like. Oh, I'm going to do no escrow, and and those apps will be available. You you can't. It's going to be really hard to ban stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is the
0: kind of thing where like a five dollar wrench is a lot cheaper than than some kind of like complex
1: technology solution, right? Right. Exactly. All right.
0: Uh, give me some security good news.
1: Yeah. So uh, it's birthday. Um, so, uh, oh. so we we're talking about how old uh, open source is. Um, uh, you and I uh, and Josh Bressers wrote an article uh, celebrating uh, 15 years of Se Linux. Yes, indeed, Doodly. Um, yep. So, which is great. 15 years, man. That's
0: a long time. That's a long time. Yep. Uh, let's see. And then, uh, and then also in the media, uh, if, if 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 this show is not enough. Um, and you want to watch Dave and I, uh, issue some sound bites on the topic of DevOps. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the good people at FedScoop, uh, recorded us talking at the, uh, Red Hat Government Symposium, uh, what, not so many weeks ago. Um, and those are up on the, those are on, those are up on the, on the internet, uh, which you can view, you know, unencrypted. Um, I don't know. Anything else, Dave? You can
1: no, no. I I think I'm ready for the weekend. Got got to rest up for all the robotics thing I got to do. <laughs> That's true. That's
0: true. All right. Uh well Dave, if uh if folks want to learn more about the uh the crowdsourced Panopticon or if they want to procure themselves uh a Ring doorbell uh and uh and, and <laughs> if folks want to go tell Ring doorbell that they should sponsor the show, um what uh, what uh, what what
1: website should they go to? Yeah, you could you could uh point the ring doorbell people to uh, dgshow.org. So D's and Dave, G's and Gunner show.org. Awesome. All right, Dave. Uh well have a great week. Yeah, yeah, you too. Thanks everybody for listening.